the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Dana Torts, and welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days radio program. Today, I'm here with John Torts and Jason Chan as they discuss the important topic of creation and evolution. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. So let's suppose that out of our AT. C and G, let's suppose our origin of life sciences did find some law explaining why A, adenine, is attracted to T, thymine. Okay? They found a law that says, yep, A is attracted to T. All right. So you get an A and it gets a T gets attracted to it. What's going to get attracted then to that A, to that T there? Another A. Another A. Yeah. And then to that? T. And then to that? A. And to that? Yeah, that's just, you just get AT, 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 like there's sodium chloride, sodium chloride, sodium chloride. That's not information. A law, because a law by definition always does the same thing in the same way, can only ever give you this kind of redundancy. It cannot give you information. Which means now, necessity is out. So chance doesn't work, necessity doesn't work. What's the only thing left? Design. Design. Which, once again, we have shown. That and science, okay, we're not even looking at the Bible right now. The science of the situation has shown that the information, so even if you go the deist route and say, okay, we'll, we'll give you, there must be a God to create the first cell, and, but evolution takes over from there, we've seen it can't, because there's no way, once, if you have that original cell with its DNA, it needs all of these vast quantities of new DNA, and we've seen that the the only explanation, the only way that works to get that is design. Okay, so, so there you go, you're left with design. Another way to illustrate the impossibility of this view is to realize, as we've mentioned, as Bill Gates said, DNA is like computer code. It's like a computer program, though far more complex than anything we've ever been able to do. Okay, now you've done, have you done coding, uh, Jason? Yep. Lines and lines and lines of coding. What language? I've used C, Python, MATLAB. You're a young man there. <laughs> my day my day was Fortran oh, and yes. BASIC. And my day, when, when they first brought out the... I was there when they first brought out home computers and people would buy these Commodore VIC-20s and Commodore 64s. And there wasn't a lot of off-the-shelf software. You wrote your own programs mm. in BASIC. It's got stuff for beginners, all-purpose symbolic instruction code. And actually wrote all of the software to crunch all of my data for my engineering thesis. Mm -hmm. I did it on a Commodore 64. How long did that take to crunch? I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, this is a Commodore 64. at 64K of internal memory. Mm -hmm. Not M, not G. Right. Ks. Yeah. And you could only use 39 of them because the rest was eaten up by the operating system. But the, this was the early days of computing. And this, the very first computer game was called Pong. I don't know if you've seen it. It's kind of made a comeback, a nostalgic comeback. But it's very, very, very simple. What you had basically is you had two vertical lines at each side, and you could move those up and down. And there would be what was actually a square. <laughs> that was supposed to be the ball, but it was a square. And the ball would be coming towards you, and you move that vertical line up. It's supposed to be a paddle. And if you can get it in the way of the square, the square would then bounce off your paddle and bounce off the wall, and then the guy on the other side would have to move his paddle, and so on. So that was, wow, computer game. But if you look at the graphics, you would see like two two vertical lines, one at the top the bottom, 
a dotted line of, of squares down the middle. These two rectangular lines, one at each end, and your ball, which was a, a square. That was it. That was, that was the graphics. If you get a more modern computer game, you've seen graphics for modern computer games, right? Yeah, they're really impressive these days. Yeah, how do you think it would compare to uh, the graphics for Pong? I know games these days take like tens of gigabytes of, uh, of storage. And they can look really real. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw this uh, clip on YouTube from a, uh, I thought it was from a movie. <laughs> it looks so real. Yeah. I was looking at what movie is this from? I was trying to track it down. I read it's not from a movie, it's from a video game. Mm. And it looked so real. Yeah. Now, but Pong, Pong is just, as I say, it's a couple of uh, vertical lines, a couple of horizontal lines, and a block. So you can imagine the coding okay, for Pong. It wouldn't be like the coding that you were talking about. So you take this computer program, and you tell me, having done programming, what would happen to computer programming if you make random changes? If you like just randomly rub out a, oh, a line here and just randomly insert letters into that line. What happens to the program? Yeah, it, it turns into garbage. Even a single tiny mistake or error yeah. can ruin your entire code. It could. It may not. Maybe I'll just hurt the functionality. But yeah, it could just crash the entire program. Mm -hmm. yeah, we know when you make random changes to information, you don't get better information that does new things. Coding is something that requires intelligence to very carefully, well thought out things to create new functionality. The idea that you can randomly change letters in DNA and get new functionality is like randomly changing lines of code in a computer program and expecting it to do new things. Is that possible? Of course not. You know, they, and they know it's not possible. They know it can't be done. And yet they still try to tell you that this is how it happened. They'll tell you that externally, inside, as I said, they know chance doesn't work. But that's what they'll be telling you, and you can know already. Okay? You don't need to know the mathematics. If you know anything about computer programs, you know that you cannot arbitrarily change parts, arbitrarily substitute things in a random and expect better functionality. You're going to get a, a program that just doesn't work. So when you think about it, you realize this is what the evolutionists are trying to sell you. DNA is a program, and yeah, you can randomly change things and it's going to get better. That's ridiculous. So I said, well, but sometimes, sometimes, um, you know, copying errors, it just copies, it copies the entire gene or, or subunit of a gene. And so you see, that's where you get the new information from. But that's like saying, okay, I got a page of information in a book. I'm going to do a photocopy of it. Do I have more information now? What do I have? And see, I have two copies of the same information. So that's not going to give it to you either. And at some point, you have to wonder, do they know this? And they're hoping you don't? Because either way, it's not acceptable. But let's come at it yet another way. Okay? The letter substitution game. Kids like to play this, so I'm used to anyway. You start with one word, and you get clues where you change one letter, and it'll give you a new word. And the clue tells you what letter to change. And in doing so, you can go all the way from, from one word to a completely different word. In this example, you start with the word bell, and it's going to turn into the word star, simply by changing one letter at a time. But each at each point, the new word has to make sense. So the first clue is exchange for money. So bell, you change the B for an S. It becomes cell. Next clue, aquatic pinniped. Well, that's a seal. So you take that first, I'll change it to an A. You get the word seal. 
Next clue, to char the surface with intense heat. Well, he changed that last cell to an R and you have sear. And then celestial ball of burning gas. Well, take that E, change it to a T, and you've got star. So you have four letters. Randomly, you could change each one. If you change it by random, you have 25 possibilities for each one. If you do it randomly. 25, so it's just 309,625 different possibilities. So to go from bell to star by random chance, it's going to be 1 in 9 times 10 to the 21. Okay, how big is that? It's the equivalent to winning Lotto 649 100 times every single day for 270 million years. That's by random chance. But you saw by intelligence, we can do it in, in, in about 20 seconds. An intelligent entity can do it. Random chance can't. What do evolutionists try to do to get around this problem? Well, often they'll go to the it happens all the time gambit. And I'll say I grab two decks of card, distinguishable cards, shuffle them together, lay them out for game of spider solitaire. What's the probability of that particular lay of cards? And it says, well, it's one in 10 to the 166. That's below the, the, the realms of universal probability bound. Oh, so how did that unlikely thing happen? I mean, did God arrange your cards every time you lay down? And, and this might stumble. Christians at this point say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So unlikely things do happen all the time. But the thing is, it's not an issue of simply being unlikely. It's being unlikely and meaningful. I can take my computer code and, and change every single letter randomly. You know, what I'll, what I'll end up with is just as unlikely. But it's not going to mean anything. Again, illustrate. Not suggesting to play Lotto 649, but this person has played Lotto 649. And the winning numbers are 7, 13, 27, 33, 42, 49. And the odds of getting this is 1 in 10 billion. You picked 2, 18, 22, 31, 39, 40. You didn't get one, one number right. What are your chances of getting those six numbers by random chance? It's still one in 10 billion. Yeah. Could you imagine going to the law booth and saying, give me my prize money? And the other side says, wow, those, those numbers don't mean anything. That's not the winning pattern. But this is still this is one in 10 billion odds of getting it. I should get the prize. You're not going to get the prize because it's not enough to be unlikely. It has to be unlikely and meaningful. DNA is meaningful. It actually codes for proteins. So design is indicated when you get something that's extremely unlikely, but is meaningful. That's what information is. That's what you have in the DNA. That's what we're trying to explain. And that's what can't happen. Where I see chance is impossible. A necessity, as we've explained, because laws always do the same thing the same way. Necessity won't explain it. All you're left with then is design. How do evolutionists now respond to this? They will go with your old Sergeant Schultz routine. I know nothing. I see nothing. I hear nothing. Don't bother me with the facts. Evolution is true. Okay. Rule number one, evolution is true. Evolution happened. Rule number two, if evolution is scientifically impossible, forget science, evolution happened. So let's, uh, let's do a quick recap of, of what we've covered so far. Do you think you can give us a recap, Jason? Yeah. So first we went over biblical creation and evolution. We talked about how... Only one of the two can be true. We then talk about what a theory is and what a law is, and that any theory that violates a law should be discarded. 
Yeah, we went over the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, we saw that the theory of evolution, we can't have spontaneous self-assembly of complex ordered structures because of the second law of thermodynamics. We also talked about the law of biogenesis and how life can only give rise to life and the theory of evolution depends on abiogenesis, which clearly, based on the name, violates the law of biogenesis. We also went over DNA and talked about chance, necessity, or design. We've concluded that DNA can only, the information in DNA can only be meaningful by design. All right, so I'll ask you, and once again, you're finishing your master's in uh, engineering, so you know science. I don't know if you've looked in detail at this kind of stuff before, but as we've gone through it, what what is your assessment? Is there something wrong with what I'm saying, or is this comporting with science correctly? Yeah, I mean, the more I hear what you have to say, John, the more, yeah, it's extremely difficult to believe in the theory of evolution. I, I think what you're saying tracks. And here's, I think, where big problem for the churches is that they often don't have people who know the science well. And so when they hear that science uh, proves evolution or proves elements of the theory, they don't feel equipped to challenge it, and so they go along. And what they know is the Bible, so that they can then try to twist, and it's, it's very, very harmful. The science does not support the theory of evolution. Now, we've, we've looked at hard laws of science. There's still more things to look at. For example, the supposed evidence that's given for the theory of evolution. So there's a lot more interesting stuff still to come on this. And I think uh, by the time we're, we're finished, you know, become very, very clear that the only viable explanation for why we're here is the God of the Bible. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part, same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.